Good morning, everyone. This is Father Nate, missionary priest in Italy, and thanks for joining us today, November 30th, on No Greater Delight, our podcast on Marian feasts and Marian meditations. Well, our feast today take us, to begin with, to Italy, on the coast of Genoa, the city of Genoa. In Italy, Father Orsini says that it is the feast of Our Lady of Genesta. Uh, according to his redaction, he says that the shrine of Our Lady of Genesta is on the coast of the city of Genova in Italy, and it started because of a poor woman, Petruccia, who decided to build a church in Mary's honor. Of course, being poor, it seemed like an impossible task. However, she laid the cornerstone and assured everyone that she would not die until the Blessed Virgin and St. Augustine finished this work. Now, in all fairness, we have to say, you know, after doing the research, we can't seem to find a shrine of Our Lady of Genesta anywhere, or even a city by the name of Genesta be it near Genoa or somewhere else. Um, however, it seems that maybe what Father Orsini is getting at is the story of a woman named Petruccia, which is true, and her work associated with the church of Our Lady of Ganazzano, right? This Petruccia was a third-order Augustinian, and she wanted to restore a church that was under the care of the hermits of St. Augustine, right? Uh, Petruccia wasn't a poor woman. On the contrary, she had been left a good deal of money when her husband died in 1436. She decided to use that money to restore the church because she spent a lot of time there in prayer. She had a great plan made and work was begun, but she didn't actually have enough money to finish it. So what happened? Well, just like the Bible recounts, people made fun of her. They said that the she wasted her money. Even her friends turned her back, their backs on her. But she would just answer, my children... Do not put too much importance on this apparent misfortune. I assure you that before my death, the Blessed Virgin and our Holy Father Augustine will finish the church begun by me. Okay. And Petruccia was rewarded. So on the 25th of April, 1467, in the middle of the afternoon, there was a crowd that had begun to gather in front of this unfinished church of our Mother of Good Counsel. When all of a sudden they started to hear music that seemed to be coming from a cloud that came down upon the church. The cloud stopped against one wall of the church, and the bells began to ring. And then when the little cloud dissipated, it revealed a beautiful image of Our Lady, holding her divine son in her arms, right? The painting was hovering in the air, and though it didn't move, it wasn't attached to the wall, right? Uh, so the image remains to this day, obviously not hovering. I assume they brought it into the church. And then because of that, in you know, out of recognition of this great miracle, the visitors gladly gave the money needed to complete the church. So we can also head down to Mexico, into Guadalajara, where today we celebrate the original installation of the image of San Juan de los Lagos at her shrine. The shrine story begins in 1542, when a Spanish priest by the name of Father Miguel de Bologna brought a statue of Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception into the village. Now, the town was called at that t- time uh, San Juan Metzquitlán Baptiste, but later the name was changed to San Juan de los Lagos in 1623. According to local legends, that year, 1623, the daughter of some local peasants fell ill, and her parents prayed for her health, and the girl recovered. And so because of that miracle, the statue began to be venerated by an increasing number of pilgrims, be them indigenous peoples, Spanish, or mestizos. And it was during this time that the statue ceased to be known just as an image of the Immaculate Conception, but rather required acquired its own identity as San Juan de los Lagos, right? Our Lady of San Juan de los Lagos. 
And so, um, for many years, from the early 17th century to the middle of the 19th century, a pilgrimage was held every year on November 30th to celebrate that original installation of the statue in the shrine. We said that today we recall the installation of the image of San Juan de los Lagos in Mexico. Now, the miracle that's associated, like the first miracle that we have associated with that image, is the one we mentioned about a little girl being healed. Well, actually, the story is is quite involved. The girl was a young trapeze artist, and she was coming into the town with her family. I guess, uh, you know, the circus came into town. And she was practicing her trapeze act before the actual performance. But the, the problem is that they, in order to make it more exciting, they put swords and daggers fixed in the ground pointing upwards. And for whatever reason, she slipped during her routine and was just impaled on all of these swords and daggers. So her parents literally brought her into the chapel of Our Lady of San Juan de los Lagos just to bury her. But the, the caretaker's wife said, no, like, trust, Our, Our, Lady, Our Lady will save her. And so the caretaker's wife, uh, Ana, Lucia, Ana Lucia, put the statue on the girl's dead body, and she, like, started to move, sat up, and was completely fine, right? And it's because of that that devotion started to the statue, like it became a really uh, a pilgrimage site, right? You know, it's kind of a crazy story when we think about it, that who lets their six-year-old daughter, you know, practice or perform with swords and daggers in the ground facing upwards that would easily, easily kill you. Um, you know, it's a little crazy. But, you know, when we think about it too, like our lives are also crazy, there's many difficulties and challenges throughout the day, and even more dangerous than a knife or a dagger is all the opportunities for sin that abound. So what do we do? Obviously, we can't go to the shrine of Our Lady of San Juan de los Lagos because, uh, well, it's far away. But what we can do, and this is the whole point of praying the Angelus, right? Pope St. Paul VI encouraged us to pray the Angelus wherever and whenever possible. Right? He says, the Angelus doesn't need to be revised because of its simple structure, its biblical character, and its historical origin, which links it to the prayer for peace and safety. Right? And it sanctifies different moments during the day. Right? It's very beautiful. Right? The fact that the popes pray the Angelus on Sundays, right, at midday, since, uh, which began Pius XI, well, that's really encouraged people to say, like, oh, I really need to pray the Angelus, right? It's really something that I should do more often, right? And when do we pray it? Well, usually we pray it in the morning, at midday, and in the evening, usually six, noon, and six, if you can, right? So the Angelus, like we said, is an old prayer. It goes all the way back to the 16th century in its current form, but even in the 13th century, there was the practice of reciting three Hail Marys when you heard the evening bells, right? And if you if you know the prayer, right, it just is very, very simple. There's just three verses that precede the Hail Marys, right? Which refer to the Incarnation. And what else? Oh, the Incarnation, right? The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. And you pray the Hail Mary. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to your will. And the Hail Mary. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Again, the Hail Mary, right? And so what is this? Well, these verses affirm the message coming from God. Mary's promptness in consenting to the will of the Lord and the coming of the Lord in our midst. 
events that can easily be connected to daily life, right? And then after those three Hail Marys, there's that prayer, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. And the prayer that follows recalls these central events of the redemption. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, our grace, your grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by, the passion, uh, by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. It's a very simple and a very beautiful prayer that we can use to sanctify the day, particularly at those three moments. So we can ask ourselves, do, do we even know how to pray the Angelus? And if we know how to pray it, do we pray it? And if we're not praying the Angelus, we're, we're missing a great opportunity to sanctify the day. Three times a day, just take a moment to pray and to think of the most important events of our life, right? These events, the incarnation, the passion and death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ.